So I am a visual learner, and so usually when I preach or do youth lessons, I usually have something to help us remember. Maybe when we go, we can look at it and see it. So that's why I have the mugs. <laughs> when I was younger, I read a passage in Joshua, Joshua chapter 4, 5 through 7. It says, Joshua told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, Twelve stones in all, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. We'll use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. After reading this (laughs) as as a young person, I wanted to collect something. I wanted to collect something to help represent the things that God has done in my life and help me remember and reflect on who God is and what he does for me. Well, my parents wouldn't let me pick rocks and keep stones in the backyard like this. So I had to think creatively. I loved tea, I loved coffee, so I thought about mugs would be a good way to help me remember who God is and what he's done in my life. So if you ever come over to Stephanie's nice house, you'll see that we have about over 80 mugs. We have a fun picture of our are, that's just some of them. That's not all of them. There's some in my office, there's some hanging in the kitchen, some in cabinets, but when, we, when you guys come over to our house, we just usually tell you, grab a mug, and that's your mug to drink from for the night. And if you point to one of my mugs, you can, you can ask me, what, what was God doing? And I can let you know, <laughs> this is what God was doing in that time in my life. Some of them are gifts, you know. Some people just saw I had mugs and gave me mugs, so some of them don't have <laughs> meanings like that. But I brought some mugs with me today that have really strong meanings for me. This mug represents uh, me starting the date, Stephanie. I just ran to a thrift store, grabbed a mug. <laughs> um, and just knowing that this is the one that God has brought to me in the hot springs. And how awesome is that? This mug is our mug from our wedding and just representing our commitment to one another. And just the amazingness of who God is bringing Stephanie and I together. This mug represents, as you can see, Dad, (laughs) our first child, Bailey. And just the blessing of who God is. And he gives great and wonderful gifts, even when she spits up on me before sermon. (laughs) It's dried now, so that's good. Thanks, Bailey. (laughs) And this mug represents... um, Basically, God helping me conquer a sin in my life. And so when I look at it, I can pray for strength and, and just knowing that God is awesome and giving me strength to conquer a sin. But see, these are special mugs to me. I have a lot more. <laughs> I have over 80 pretty much. But this mug I'm, I, I want to share with you today, the meaning behind my, my Starbucks mug. Because there's a huge meaning of God, what God was doing in my life. And sometimes I tear up about it because it's just a time where I needed God and God did something amazing. So I want to share that with you. So let's pray before we dive in. Dear God, I just thank you for who you are. Thank you for the amazing gifts and the memorials of these mugs that I can look on my shelf and I can see how awesome you are. Lord, pray with you be with me today as I give the words that you gave me a long time ago and that you penetrated my heart. And I ask that you just help um, re- have this message reach out to those who need it. And praise Jesus' name, amen. So, 
This mug is special to me, not because it's Starbucks. I don't really care. (laughs) It has nothing to do with that. But it was what God was doing in my life at that time. See, at that point, I was working at this school for troubled teens. The words they use is a faith-based residential treatment center for at-risk teens. I decided that's where God wanted me to go. And so I went, and God opened up my eyes to a lot of things I've never experienced before. (laughs) When you work at a school for at-risk teens, you're going to see a lot of things that they're suffering and going through, the strongholds in their life. And if you haven't guessed, their strongholds are strong. And they show themselves in very many harmful ways. So during my first few weeks there, I found myself getting anxiety attacks when the kids were coming home from school. I was getting attacked mentally, physically, and emotionally. I remember one time I was talking to one of the kids and they were throwing books at my throat (laughs) or getting things thrown at my face quite often. So I was being physically attacked and emotionally. I was reaching a breaking point where I didn't know what to do. My job and my life seemed hopeless. I was going through a lot of things, and it finally hit me, Nick, you need to spend your next day off with God. Now, it wasn't just for an hour. (laughs) It wasn't just for, like, you know, just a little time. I committed that whole day with God in myself. So that next morning, I grabbed my Bible, my pen, and my notebook, and I went to the closest decent coffee shop I could find, which was Starbucks. My reading plan landed me into 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and it was definitely what I needed to hear at that time from God. So let's read that today. And maybe it's something that maybe some of us here need to hear from God. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 12. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we can know, or we could know, the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. When I read these verses, I opened up my notebook and I wrote down the words that that stood out to me. I wrote down, pressed on every side by troubles, perplexed, hunted down, knocked down, suffering, danger of death. Literally, as I was reading those, I would check mark, yep, that's what I feel right now. (laughs) Man, God, what what are you trying to show me? (laughs) Trying to just point out or poke at the things I'm suffering through? And I was always taught that you don't just read the verses once, you read it a few times to make sure you're not missing something or getting the context of the verse. So I read through it again, and then I was sort of spiritually smacked by the words following the negatives. Yes, it says, press on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Hunted down, but never abandoned by God. Knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Danger or death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. See, this message is also echoed in Romans 8, 35, 37 through 39. 
Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. (laughs) Those words. I love the promises of God. When I read scripture, things stand out. And you know, after reading these, after reading these verses in 2 Corinthians and reading this passage, Romans 8, it brought me the tears. I was sitting in Starbucks probably crying over my venti cold brew coffee, probably looking like a dork. But I didn't care because the truth in God's words penetrated my hard heart and revealed to me his love, his power, his grace, and overall his presence in my current suffering. See, when we suffer, the, the message in this passage, when we suffer, God is there for us. We have God's strength to help us through our tough times, and God will never leave us when life gets us down. Now, this doesn't mean that all of our troubles are going to disappear or that, <laughs> or that they're going to go away, but what it does mean is that God will never leave us to face it alone. We will have strength, we'll have his love, and we'll have his light. So we're going to jump back to 2 Corinthians. And I was reading what Paul wrote, what people see when we suffer. In verse 10 it says, Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Through our suffering, others can see Jesus. And as I read that, I was like, how? (laughs) How do other people see Jesus when I'm having anxiety attacks, or I'm getting books thrown at me, or, or I'm just going through a hard time. How how's people see Jesus when I'm suffering? Let's go back to verse 7 and see. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. See, we are fragile jars holding on to this powerful light. What is this light? Well, we continue to go back. (laughs) Verse 4, it says, They, and they being those who do not believe in God, they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. See, the light is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again, the thing we celebrate at communion that God sent his son Jesus on this earth so that we may have eternal life through him. That is the powerful light that we hold in our fragile jars. And as fragile jars, we can't handle (laughs) everything this world dishes out to us. I was cracking. I was pretty much at the shattering, breaking point. We break under pressure. And then we realize we need God in those times. Just like I did. (laughs) It was like, you know, I don't know what to do. It's like, wait, I should probably spend my next day off with God. That sounds like a good plan. That is what the world sees in our suffering. It sees a strength, a hope, a light, a great power. Because this world, we can't do it on our own. Because our great power 
is from God, not from ourselves. They see God working through us in our suffering. They see this light, because light shines through darkness. <laughs> they see a powerful light. An example of this would be Joseph in the book of Genesis. I'll just read a synopsis, because we're not going to go through all chapters 37 through 50 of Genesis. It's pretty long. But <laughs> Joseph was sold into Egyptian slavery by his brothers. And though he earned his master's trust and was allowed to work freely in the house, the lies of a woman thrust Joseph into a prison. God granted Joseph an understanding of dreams while he was in prison. Joseph interpreted a dream one day which could have been his way out of jail, but the man who should have spoken for Joseph's freedom forgot about it for two years. So Joseph sat in prison. When Joseph was released from prison, it was to take an elevated position in government and Joseph knew the region would go through a devastating drought, and he made preparations to help save the people. In doing so, he was able to rescue his brother, who had treated him so badly. See, Joseph endured difficulties in this world, probably more than, or more than me, <laughs> more than maybe most of us. But through those difficulties, he had faith in God and what God was going to do in those times. He held on to that hope, and people saw something in Joseph. They saw this great light in a fragile jar. See, I love what he says to his brothers. His brothers at the end of uh, uh, Genesis pretty much were coming up to him, like, freaking out. Like, Joseph hates us. Like, Joseph is, is going to destroy us one day because of what we've done to him. So they come and they seek forgiveness for causing him so much suffering. I love what he says in Genesis 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. So no matter what suffering this world throws at us, we can know God's love and power is with us. And in this suffering, others can see God's power shine through our fragile jars to the point that our suffering can save lives of many people who are running towards, towards hell. That's the message God was giving me at that point. So when I read, when I read on past the, the, the press on every side, the persecution and that kind of stuff, I read on verses 15 through 18 to see what Paul, like how does Paul deal with his suffering of, of all the things that he dealt with? It says, And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will see, receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that can't, cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. With the knowledge of when we speak the good news, this light to other people, this good news that Jesus Christ came to die for our sins, to give us eternal life, when we speak that out, God will be glorified. And Paul knew that. And Paul was encouraged to keep on spreading this message of hope, even when he was struggling, even when he was in prison, even when he was going through hard times the world brings. He was holding on to the hope that God was going to do great things through his message and that he was being 
that he, as a fragile jar, had this powerful light that he could share it to other people. This renewed his spirit to continue to help people see God through his suffering, to help people see God's love, God's strength, and God's grace that is stuffed in our fragile jars. So yes, through our suffering, others can see God, and this will bring God glory. So what does that mean for us? When we find ourselves struggling, just know that God is there with you. God loves you, and his love will never leave you, just like it says in Romans 8. And if we ask, he will give us strength to get through our suffering. doesn't mean, again, it's going to disappear, because God doesn't promise that this world's going to be perfect if, if you're a Christian. We live in a broken world. And we're all suffering together. But it also reminds us to bring him our troubles and to see God work in our fragile jar life, to see this light shine through our hard times. And when we find ourselves struggling, we should also remember to keep our gaze on the eternity with God to give us hope, but also to fix our gaze on the eternity without God a lot of people in this world face to give us this renewing mission, this determination to share the light that God gives us to share. You see, after I read through 2 Corinthians 4 and stopped focusing on my hurts, my suffering, the things that I was <laughs> going through at this place, this job, I realized that I'm here not for myself, but I'm here for God to share his love, to share his light, to share the message that he gives us. And as a fragile jar, I'm going to I'm going to stumble sometimes. I'm going to break. I'll probably chip. Some of these mugs will probably won't last my whole life. <laughs> They're going to, Bailey's going to take them and throw them or something like that. I don't know. Um, but the message of who God is is still going to come through, even if I have a chip, even if I'm feeling like I'm suffering through something. I don't know. And maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you just need one of us to come alongside of you and pray for you. Paul had a whole bunch of prayer warriors praying for him through his ministry. That was the message God was giving me as I was sitting there crying all over my coffee. And after spending my day with God, I was re-energized to share the light to these teens that constantly, you know, constantly did stuff. Did I still have anxiety attacks? Yeah, I did. But when those times came, I just said, God, give me strength because these kids need you. My spirit was renewed to keep on going with God's love, God's strength. And I was ready to give these kids the love that God gave me and continues to give me. And I was ready to suffer for the gospel, to endure the hardships of this life because I was focused on the kids' eternity. And I wasn't really focusing on, on me at that point. I wasn't being selfish in a sense. I was focused on the love that God wants to give. So when I left Starbucks, I went... I wanted to grab a mug to help represent that message of, of hope, the message of, of God, is, God is the God that loves us through our suffering. So I went to the closest thrift store. If you don't know, I love going to thrift stores. So <laughs> anyways, I went to the local thrift store. And like the Israelites, I wanted to collect a stone in a sense that represent that. So every time I saw that mug, even when I'm going through suffering, I can go, man, God is awesome. God's love, God's light is overpowering in this time of suffering. And look, I found a Starbucks mug on the shelf. I was like, wow, 
my time crying at Starbucks, I can get a Starbucks mug at the thrift store. So I picked it up, and then I wrote the passage on the bottom of the mug. I'll probably have to rewrite it because through the dishwasher, it keeps on just deleting it. But, um, but every time I drink from this mug, I can go back to 2 Corinthians 4 and really read through it and go, man, God is awesome. God loves me so much. The God who is holy, who is who, who's our creator, who created this world, cares about me. That when I suffer, he doesn't leave me. When I'm going through hard times, he continues to pour his love on me. That just message just brings me to tears almost every time. So, I continue to fix my gaze on the hope of my eternal life with God. And just, man, one day it's going to be awesome. But I also am re-energized for the mission that God sent me here for, to share that light with others who are running towards an eternity without him. And that's a scary thought. So I share this with you. I share my mug with you, my message to one, to encourage you to look to God in times of troubles, to seek each other out. We're supposed to love one another, to share each other's burdens, to pray for each other. But also to help you remember to fix your gaze on God, to bring him your troubles, and to share the light through our fragile jar lives. So let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you for this day. Thank you for just the love for me, the love that I need. Thank you for tears. Thank you for emotions. Thank you that you're a God that, that's all-powerful and almighty, that nothing in this world can shatter you. Lord, give us strength for today. Give us strength to be the light and the salt in our community. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.